Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Hello, folks. I am very grateful that you've shown up today. I am so excited. I have my first official musical guest today. I know you're going to love her. She is hailing all the way from Alaska, and it's 70 degrees here, so (laughs) you could not get any more opposite than Arizona and Alaska. We are excited to have her today, and you're going to hear her story and learn about her music, experience her music. Let me read her bio for you. Andrea Sandifer is a civil engineer turned stay-at-home mom and singer-songwriter who lives in South Central Alaska, mom of two, and wife to her high school sweetheart. She enjoys serving alongside friends in her local church Bible study and worship ministries. Andrea plays piano, leads worship at her church, and enjoys writing songs about what God is revealing of himself as she meditates on his word. One of her favorite activities is encouraging creative artists in her congregation through planning and hosting Arts for the Kingdom events, which are events that honor God through contributed expressions of art and music. Andrea enjoys life in Alaska with her family through gardening, fishing, hunting, and snow machining. Will you please welcome Andrea Sandifer to the show? Oh, thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on the podcast today. Great to see you again. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, how's the weather in Alaska today? <laughs> uh, I think when I drove to church uh, at seven this morning, it was about nine below zero. Uh, so a little brisk uh, walking in because mm-hmm. um, we try to park kind of far out and let everybody have the the parking spots as they make their way. And it was a little brisk of a walk, um, but I think it's it's now that the sun is up and shining a bit, it's it's above zero and we're kind of entering into the season where the sun actually starts making a difference. So much appreciated when it starts that cold. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's very uh, nice here. It's uh, between 60 and 70 degrees. Oh. I just have this scarf on for decoration. It's <laughs> not even warm enough for a scarf anymore. I love it. Oh, it's great. Uh, so tell the folks who you are and what you do. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Andrea Sandifer. I'm a songwriter from South Central Alaska. Um, my music kind of flows out of my faith uh, from what God is teaching me and uh, generally has a pretty chill and melodic vibe. Uh, most people that listen to my music call it Celtic which makes sense as I tend to gravitate uh, toward that style when I listen to music. 
but I also love to write instrumental music as well. And uh, I truly believe in the power of music to minister to hearts, kind of like outpourings of prayer through lyric and melody. And one of my greatest joys in my work is when someone hears a song and tells me, oh, it was just so peaceful and comforting. There's no greater joy. There's no greater honor in, in being able to minister to hearts like that. Absolutely. I, the first time I heard your music, I, I thought, wow, it just brings me right into worship and relaxes me and puts me in the right frame of mind, you know, when there's all this craziness out there. So I thought, oh, I need to have her on the podcast. For oh, well, my, thank you. Uh, you are my official first musical guest. So All right. Besides my <laughs> husband. So we're very excited for this. So yeah. we'll definitely talk more about your music here in the show. But tell us what it's like living in Anchorage, Alaska. We, <laughs> yeah. we all see the TV shows, but... Yeah, you know, some of them are <laughs> close to true to life, but oh man, you know, it's not as... It's not as extreme, maybe. It is extreme. So I live just north of Anchorage a bit in the Matanuska Valley. Um, we're surrounded by beautiful mountains and lush forests and tons of untouched land and places to explore. It is a pretty wild life. I, we were just talking about how cold it was to start. That's pretty wild. And uh, my family really enjoys the outdoors. You know, currently here in the winter season, our main activity, we actually all own snow machines and the kids are old enough that they go out with us and um, we enjoy riding out to our family's cabin, which is about 10 miles off the roadway uh, to spend just time totally um, off grid together. It's, it's kind of a nice little retreat um, location. We haul our food and our clothes in on sleds. It feels very wow. rustic. Yeah, they love it. My kids are total uh, adventure bugs. I love it. So, um, and it, it can get pretty cold, but not like, you know, you, you hear like up in Fairbanks or in Prudhoe Bay, it can get like 30 to 50 below. And I've only seen that one time in my 14 years of living up here, um, down here. And that was really extreme. So we don't typically get that bad. We're, we're far enough um, south and close to the ocean. So get a little bit more temperate. But uh, yeah, I went for a walk yesterday with a friend and it was four degrees, but the sun was shining and, you know, you get to walk in, get warmed up a little bit. It makes a difference, but yeah. And uh, I think our shortest day of the year in the wintertime, we still get about five and a half hours of sunlight from sunrise to sunset. So we're not in one of those locations that doesn't see the sun oh, that's for like good. a month. I know. I, I don't think I could make it, honestly. I really don't think I could. So I, yeah, I, I love the sun. <laughs> So well, yeah, I love where you I live are. here. Oh, exactly. Right. Um, yeah. And, and up here in the summer, I mean, it's fantastic. We basically get the opposite. Uh, we get constant light and uh, the temperatures up here in the summer are typically in the seventies. It's, it's just beautiful. And um, it can get kind of warm for us. 90 is like, I'm dying. It's way too hot. That's not very typical though. Uh, but I love to garden. Um, I love to fish. Um, and my whole family loves to go hunting in the fall. So it sounds kind of wild, but I don't live very far from a Target store. So there's oh, that. Okay. Yeah. We live in a big enough city that we pretty much have everything we need here. And our um, church family is about a thousand members. So it's a decent sized church even that I get to call uh, my church family. So it's life to the full for sure. So it's not like, okay, if you don't get that big bull elk 
you know, then you guys yes. are going to starve to death. You, you have civilization. <laughs> oh, yes. I can buy grapes in the middle of winter if I want to. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, my husband and I were just talking about the what you said about the the sunlight there. Does living in Alaska bring that seasonal depression that we hear about? Oh, for sure. It really, it can for a lot of people. We moved up here in August of 2006. Um, and that first winter, I really struggled. I was really tired all the time. And honestly, I, di- I didn't know what depression felt like, but I, in working with my doctor, I was officially diagnosed with depression for the first time in my life. We had moved from Colorado, which, you know, the sun can shine there almost every day of the year. And here we we can get some pretty long spans of cloudy days. And, you know, as I mentioned before, the daylight hours can really decrease and pretty limited. So I think it it really, I was surprised how much it affected me and it still can if I don't help myself through those seasons. And so what I experience is often called uh, seasonal affective disorder or SAD, SAD. Mm-hmm. It's a very fitting uh, description of it. Uh, I've learned that getting outside when the sun is out, like yesterday, even just going for a walk, even though it was four, the sun was out and it does so much um, to help me. And yeah, I just, I was thinking about that yesterday, how so many parallels to um, scriptural life, you know, if we soak in the light, you know, it's to our benefit. I just, I thought it was really cool to be thinking on that yesterday. Yeah. I have used like a full spectrum light for like light therapy before. I was just going to ask that. (laughs) Yeah. They're really cool. They're very effective. They're worth the money. If, if you definitely Mm -hmm. um, struggle with that, especially if it's a cloudy winter, I'll get that out um, pretty regularly. And it all, it, all it takes is typically like sitting um, and I just have it kind of off the side on my computer. And I just, while I work in the morning, I have it on for about a half hour and it can make a difference. So, but honestly, one of the best things I've learned to do during the darker season is to stay busy mm-hmm. um, and create more. You know, I write so much more music in the wintertime than I do in the summer. There's a benefit, I guess, but staying busy is always, is really helpful. So that, that, that light doesn't give you a tan though, does it? No, darn it. I mean, obviously <laughs> I'm like as white as a sheet. <laughs> as white as I am. And I live in Phoenix. <laughs> People don't believe me. Uh, I, I definitely change tone in the summer. I'm outside all summer and, oh, it's glorious. We, I live up here for the summers. I really, really do. You mentioned that you weren't born in Alaska. What kind of uh, childhood did you have? Um, Why did you decide to move up to Alaska? Oh, I tease, you know, it was my husband's idea to move up here. And I thought he was joking when he first was like, let's go to Alaska. I'm like, what? So, but I, you know, I honestly, I had a really good childhood. I grew up in the Midwest uh, you know, we were around extended family, uh, for the first 12 years of my life. Um, I have tons of fond memories of family gatherings and really deep friendships during that time. And then when I was 12, we moved to Colorado and we moved to a really small town with a small K through 12 school. And there I had, I had a lot of opportunity because it was a small school. I could participate in sports, uh, band, musicals, 4-H, mm-hmm. FFA. I could do, I could participate in anything available. And my parents were really, really supportive of all those endeavors and pursuit. We were taught to strive for excellence. The um, educational success was 
a pretty huge priority in my family. And I, w- I was blessed to graduate top of my class and go on to engineering school, actually, mm-hmm. for my bachelor's degree. So yeah, an interesting trajectory looking back. Uh, but I, you know, since I've grown into the realization that all of that striving and all of those pursuit, you know, while good and worthy of effort, they weren't to last. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful for my education and all of those experiences. Cause I, you know, I do believe that they helped shape who I am today, but mm-hmm. now that I'm a parent, <laughs> I really want to show up as a support for my kids in their pursuits, as well as their emotions and struggles. I have learned the power of emotional support and when emotional needs aren't met while you're a child, that child can grow and struggle to deal with their emotions as an adult. And that's, that's honest. That's part of my story. I've been working with a friend on just how to, how to process maybe some of the things that I still struggle with and how to, how to heal from that. And, you know, and I had, and still have amazing parents they did the absolute best that they could with what they knew to do. And, you know, they were raised by imperfect parents too, mm-hmm. but I'm just finding it something really worth digging into. And I'm excited to discover the healing that can be found and the prevention of further emotional neglect going forward um, in, you know, in my children and hopefully their children and, you know, spiritual and emotional support is it's definitely something I want to give my kids almost more than anything. So give us an example of emotional neglect. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, like I said, I'm still kind of learning about it, but something I've discovered in my story is that we didn't talk about our emotions very much. Like I said, you know, we had a huge emphasis and priority on success. Um, but if like I remember not feeling like if I if I were sad or contemplative or even just feeling like I, I was struggling with something, we wouldn't necessarily, I mean, sometimes we'd sit down and talk about it, but it was less about what I was feeling and more about how are we going to fix it? How are we going to move past this? Which I appreciate, but I'm now realizing that I really have a hard time processing emotions. When I start to feel sad, I fall deep into sadness. I can't, Mm. it's like, I can't get past it. Or if I am extremely excited about something, I have a hard time containing it. I just, I don't know what to do with my emotions. And, and when, as a child grows, if they're not, if they're not taught how to handle, I mean, kids have big emotions. Mm -hmm. They do. And if they're not taught what to do with all of that, and that those emotions are okay. um, Yeah. They can really kind of struggle with, uh, what to do and how to move, not necessarily past them, uh, but just to even learn how to acknowledge and um, have healthy relationships with their emotions. So it's mm-hmm. a really interesting, um, like I said, I'm still digging into it. My friend, McCove um, Johnson, she's a like a spiritual coach. She's been teaching me about it. It's she's developing a course around it. And she's, she's noticing that most of the people she works with struggle with some form of childhood emotional neglect. And um, as she teaches or, you know, digs into their stories, she notices that a lot of people don't consider that, you know, they, they've never heard of that, or they've never considered that maybe some of the things that they struggle with are tied to, you know, again, you know, we have, it could be the best parents in the world, but if, if a certain aspect of our emotional health isn't dealt with while we're young, it can, it can leave lasting 
well, yeah, lasting struggles, I guess. It, yeah. It, yeah. For an adult. So it's really interesting. I can't wait to dig more into that. And I think it's, as I learn how to process and kind of heal going forward, it's going to affect my music too, which is exciting. Yeah. Cause I think God, he doesn't want us to struggle uh, and feel broken in our in our flesh as much as we are. So he wants us to heal and and, uh, partner with us in our own healing too. So yeah, I look forward to seeing how, yeah, how what I learned shows up in my music going forward too. So yeah. What was your relationship with God when you were young? Uh, When did you find the Lord? Yeah, it was really interesting to dig into this uh, thinking back. So I, you know, I didn't grow up uh, with a really strong spiritual support either. Um, So my relationship with God early on was honestly really, really shallow. Reading the Bible wasn't a priority and everything I knew about God was just told to me by others. And even then that was very limited exposure. We attended church as a family pretty consistently when we lived in Illinois, less often in Colorado, you know, and those are pretty transformative years, middle school, high school. When I met Andrew, my now husband, uh, and started dating at the end of our freshman year of high school, uh, his family invited me to their church. It was very kind. I was 15 and looking back and my heart was primed and ready for the truth of the gospel. Hmm. Uh, I vaguely remember a moment in a service where we were singing a hymn and for the life of me, I can't remember which one it was, but the sun started to shine through one of the beautifully large stained glass windows in our church there in our little town. The scene on the window is of Jesus kneeling and praying in the garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion. And I remember being really struck by his love and his desire for me to know him. And I I'm pretty like that. That's when I started pursuing him, but I still didn't have good leadership toward a transformative faith at that time. So I, I can't say that I really started understanding the gospel and following hard after God until much, much later, even after like we moved to Alaska here, um, a major turning point for me occurred when I learned to study the Bible and glean God's truth for myself. Um, I had previously been taught and led through Bible study, but I was never taught to read it and hear from God myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it was so transformative. And I mean, yeah, I'm so grateful for those that poured, just Mm -hmm. taught me how uh, to hear from God myself and interpret it and enter into relationship with him myself. Yeah. It is so important. And I tell the listeners all the time is that you have to get in the word yourself. You can't depend on what the preacher on the pulpit or your Bible teacher says in your small group. You have to get in the word yourself. How do you know if what they're saying is is true? You don't. Um, There's a lot of um, twisting of scripture going around these days. Oh, yeah. But... So you found the Lord uh, with going to the church with your now husband, or was it you found the Lord in Alaska? Um, you know, it's it's one of those, I heard our pastor describe it, you know, because I've often been bothered that I didn't have like a moment when I prayed the prayer and I was officially, you know, I belong to Jesus. It's been a very long, slow sanctification process for me. But I do remember, you know, like that moment back in high school when I think I was first really awakened to the fact that God loved me 
And Mm -hmm. then in my pursuit of trying to figure out what that meant, I was searching and I was, I was, I was like that process of sanctification had begun, but honestly, until I had really started reading his word, it's so transformative Mm -hmm. when we actually dig in for ourselves and read his words and, and allow it to transform our lives. And that's when I think it went from more head knowledge to heart knowledge. Mm -hmm. That's, and you know, if I had to say, you know, was I a Christian before that happened? Yeah. But was I following hard after Jesus and devoting my life to him? Well, probably not until more recently. Yeah. Probably about a decade ago, honestly. I'm glad that you are candid in that journey because a lot of Christians, they, they don't have the experience of, okay, somebody sat down with them with the Romans road or say this prayer, or they went down the aisle and and somebody at the altar led them to Christ, or somebody knocked on their door. It was very similar to what you said. Mm-hmm. Yes, I believed in the Lord, but it was a very slow transition to my beliefs. And I think it's important for for people to realize that as long as you're progressing or walking towards the Lord, then you know that, okay, the Lord is with me. I do have salvation. I'm just in the beginning of my journey. Yeah. We're just yeah. walking alongside the Lord and he does show himself to you. If you seek him like you did, mm-hmm. you go in the scriptures and seek him. You're going to church, you're hanging out with other Christians and being mentored. Yeah. So I appreciate you um, sharing that with us on that oh, absolutely. aspect. So let's talk about when you discovered your love for music. Was that a, a specific time in your life or... Was that progressive as all? Yeah, I think that was even slower of a progression. It's so funny. Um, I, yeah, I learned to play the piano early on in life. You know, I was blessed to have been given piano lessons and, and I, but I grew to enjoy playing by ear more than anything. Like reading music is still, I I can, but I don't like to kind of (laughs) so and yeah, I could pick out melodies from like my favorite movies, like some of the um, the tracks from movies and or radio songs. Like I could I could plink it out on the piano and figure out how to play it without any music. And I really enjoyed playing them for people. And then I I started to kind of dabble in creating my own instrumental songs once I kind of figured out what tones I liked to kind of fit together. And it was really fun. And I loved to pour emotion and depth into music when I played. And uh, I honestly, I didn't know I was any good at singing until early high school. Uh, My older sister, we were driving home from school one day and I was singing along to the radio. I think Shania Twain was on or something like that. And that dates me a little bit. But anyway, she was like, you're keeping up. This is, you know, you should actually consider trying out for the school musical. And I was only a freshman and I thought, ooh, you know, there's all these other, you know, girls that have been around forever. And, but I got to play Bloody Mary in South Pacific as a freshman. It was oh, wow. so much fun. And it was really, it was the first time, um, it was really fun to watch people respond to and enjoy my voice. And it, it was the, it, like people would, I just, uh, your voice is so soothing and, you know, you know, thank you for singing. And I really, you know, it was just such an affirming thing um, mm-hmm. as a, you know, a little freshman in high school. And it really stuck with me 
I, I liked that feeling of, Ooh, maybe I'm created to do this. And, um, but my, my love for creating music kind of grew as my faith grew, you know, which to me is evidence that honoring God with the talents that he gives us creates a kind of fruitfulness that is unlike anything else. Um, as we pursue, um, using our gifts and talents to honor him, it just produces a whole different kind of fruit in our, in our own soul. And when I started to realize how creating music, writing my own music made me come alive, I started to lean into that. And it's been, it's been transformative. It's been just a huge part of my own faith is actually creating my music. And like I said earlier, you know, it, it ministers to hearts and and it ministers to my own heart at the same time. And it really draws me closer in relationship with God. And um, I believe it, it brings me joy. I, I, I believe it brings him joy too. Absolutely. Amen. I definitely am a songwriter as well. We've talked about before, but it takes me a long time to write a song. It, it, I struggle with the process of it. Mm. I like singing other people's songs, but when I'm around other musicians, then it's a lot easier, but this year has just kind of been a, oh, it's you know, a dumpster terrible. fire and oh. I haven't met with my band or anything. And so, yeah, I need to get on the stick and get back to writing some more songs, especially since I got this new Juno with all those bells and whistles. Nice. I, I still yeah. don't know how to use. <laughs> I'm going to get on the stick and get in here and start, start recording something, but, um, we say as Christian musicians, we get our inspiration from the Lord. Mm -hmm. But in a practical sense, besides the Lord, what is your inspiration around you when you write? You know, honestly, I'd say life, <laughs> life experiences and, and life while following Jesus. I mean, it's hard, uh, but I, I love, I've really learned to invite the Holy Spirit in as a co-writer. <laughs> He's the best. He's so incredibly generous mm -hmm. as a co-writer. And I've learned to pay attention to what he won't let my mind get away from. Like if there's something I've read in scripture lately and he keeps bringing it to mind as I go about my day, I lean into that. I try to capture that somehow. And if there's something I'm struggling to believe, you know, believe about God, I ask him for clarity and comfort and peace. And I, I listen to how he responds. And, um, you know, I, when I'm writing, I typically start with like one of those ideas and I, I usually start by journaling. I don't know if you journal uh, before you start trying to dig into a lyric, but sometimes I'll just, I'll sit down with a notebook and for like 15 to 20 minutes, I'll just try to write without stopping. Like brainstorm. Maybe. Yeah. Like a brain dump. Let me just put down everything I can think of about what I feel about this, this thing that I'm trying to capture. And you know, well-crafted songs, they tend to start or they, they tend to contain one big idea, like a central message and everything else in the song kind of points to that. And that, you know, the journaling process helps me to almost identify, okay, what's my, what's my central gem? What is my center of this song? And almost look for other ways to describe and point to that, that I can use throughout the song. And I tend to <laughs> My tendency is to put way too many ideas into one song. Uh, and I've learned that 
if you save some of those ideas for later, you get more songs. So if you can just stick <laughs> with your one big idea and save the rest for later, then you have more material. But um, honestly, lyrics take me the longest to craft and arrange. I've I've been told I can be pretty poetic with my wording, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, but you know, crafting a lyrically solid song that reflects my heart as well as my artistry is worth the time and effort. Um, melodies tend to come a little easier for me uh, and they usually find their way into the lyric before I'm even done writing it. Like as I'm writing, I can almost hear the tune in my head already. And I've got so many voice memos on my phone of like trying to capture the, what I'm hearing as I write and uh, compile those. But yeah, I, I just, I do everything here at home. Uh, when I capture music, uh, my process is pretty simple. I just have a MIDI keyboard that I use in GarageBand and uh, a nice vocal mic, same thing, just throw it into GarageBand and I'm still learning how to mix and produce my own music here at home, but it's really fun. It's It's been a, a fun thing to learn how to do and a lot of growing pains and learning how to make the technology oh, yeah. work, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm blessed to have yeah. a musician husband. So he does all the heavy lifting. <laughs> that would be nice. Send him north. I could use some assistance sometimes. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's yeah, good. Definitely would help you any way, you, any way we can. <laughs> but now we talk about on the podcast about our different healing tools that we have. And music is definitely one of those tools. So yeah, how has music been a healing part of your life? Uh, yeah, I have found that music communicates truth deeper into my heart than mere words ever can. Uh, there's something about singing something over yourself or over others that it sticks with us more, or it, it has a way to just dig deeper into the, the pain and the hurt. And I thought, you know, to kind of explain what I mean, and maybe an example, I thought I might share a story Yes, um, from a traumatic experience I went through almost a couple of years ago. Um, so my family and I were out uh, navigating some of the swamplands in Alaska uh, near our family cabin during the season we call breakup, mm -hmm. which is when all the snow and ice starts to dwindle in the spring and almost becomes brittle and kind of rotten. Well, that day we were, we were riding in our eight wheel rig called an Argo. And we fell through some thin ice and uh, it was, it was totally hidden. It, the surface of the ice kind of matched the surface of the snow. So you couldn't mm. tell where everything was. And, um, but only the right side of the Argo uh, went in to the ice because the other side was kind of stuck up on land. So we were kind of tilting into the, into the water. So to help my husband get the rig out, we sent my kids on to the left toward their grandparents who were in another rig across what we thought was land. Mm -hmm. um, and then I followed along the exact same path uh, to let weight out of that rig to make it easier um, to get it unstuck. Well, I found another soft spot in the rotten oh. ice and I fell through. Oh no. Yeah. And I should say that I, I had been struggling quite a bit with trusting God during that season. Um, I had lost a dear friend. Mm. A few months prior, she passed away suddenly and without cause. She was only 38. And that it absolutely rocked my faith. Um, mm. I was having a really, really hard time believing that God was good mm. uh, and that he truly had good for his people. So that day, he reached out to me through that situation. I went in 
uh, up to my shoulders, uh, having caught myself by my arms. Um, but I never, and I never felt bottom. So it was, it could have been really bad, but I was, I was calm. I could hear my family, uh, and especially my kids panicking and crying out. And, uh, you know, honestly, in my state of calm, I recalled a, a hilariously silly, uh, YouTube video, um, that I had watched showing what to do in that situation. It's so funny what comes to mind when you're, you know, in a traumatic experience sometimes, but I'm so thankful for that because I knew what to do. You know, we, we've always wanted to be as prepared as possible, um, adventuring in Alaska because things can change in an instant like that. Um, and you need to be ready. Uh, I was able to get out safely and make it to solid ground without uh, further mishap. But afterward, uh, after, you know, we were, we were safe, we were in the truck again, I was getting warmed up. The trauma of that moment really started to set in. And, you know, I, I started to think about what could have happened. Like my, had my children fallen through the same spot ahead of me, you know, the enemy really tried to deepen my doubt that I was already in of God's love and care. So I knew enough, you know, I, I needed help. So I turned, I turned to scripture. I tried to dig in and really find solid ground (laughs) to, um, to turn to. And I, I found, um, some words, uh, it's, it's Isaiah 43, uh, verses one through five that really ministered to my heart. And I thought I'd read, so kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but that reads fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flames shall not consume. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. Fear not, for I am with you. I was just listening to that song before. Oh, good. I love it. I love it too. And I was, I was so comforted by those verses that I, I had to capture them in song. I, I needed something really comforting. Like I said, like I could, I could read those words over and over. I could say them out loud, but there's something transformative when you set them to a melody. And, and if like, whenever I would start to feel afraid again, um, or like if my children, like my daughter really struggled after that for a while, just the fear, I would sing it over her. And it was, it was such a comfort and it still brings me comfort every single time that I do uh, spend time with it. Absolutely. Wow. I, I was really sorry to hear about your friend. That, that's yeah, terrible. It was. So sorry. Yeah. Thank you. It was, it's still, you know, I have moments of like that even this morning, um, cause she used to be. Uh, the soprano to my alto on our worship team. She was oh. my my right hand lady, and um, I even I even struggled to sing for a while without her there. And uh, we have since I hate to say replaced her, but mm. I do have a new uh, friend on the team with us, and got to sing with her this morning again, and really enjoyed uh, the relationship with I I have with her now. And um, I still don't feel completely at peace about that situation, you know, having lost her so young and without reason, they never figured out what had happened. And she left behind a family, uh, six mm-hmm. kids and yeah. you know, husband. And it just felt, it felt really broken. Like, um, and I know this world, oh, this world is so very broken. Yes. I get it. But 
uh, I'm really thankful that I'm learning to, in the midst of the brokenness, to really lean in and trust God with it. Um, I don't, it doesn't mean I'm going to ever understand it or be okay with it, but mm-hmm. I still, yeah, I, I can trust him. He's good. He is good. Now, you have any favorite artists or songs, I mean, besides your own songs that, that you go to in those hard times for encouragement? I do. I I was just listening to um, this album this morning as I was resting my voice a little bit after a full, a full morning of leading worship. And then for our conversation, I'm like, I better not talk much. But um, <laughs> personally, I love the music created by JJ Heller. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a wife and a mom from the Nashville area. And she writes primarily in kind of a lullaby style, very instrumental and really soothing and Uh, My favorite song is one from her first lullaby album called The Sun Will Rise. Um, And it really, it ministered. I remember the first time I had heard it, it was during a difficult health season of my life. Um, And my favorite lyric from that song is, sometimes it feels like forever when it's dark outside. Mm -hmm. Baby, the sun will rise, however long the night and it's just, I mean, it's cute and it's, it's, awesome. it's so comforting and sweet and yeah, kind of revisiting that album this morning. It, yeah. In the middle of winter, it's really helpful <laughs> sometimes too Absolutely. comforting, but I, I have recently discovered the music of William Augusto. He's a Brazilian artist who creates instrumental, we call it like soaking music. They're really lengthy tracks that are really great for meditative prayer times or as background music as I journal or as I'm crafting lyrics, just having some kind of a, they're very inspiring and very uplifting, these beautiful tracks of music. So I've really, really enjoyed his work lately. And and for congregational worship, I tease that uh, the Gettys, I don't know, Keith and Kristen Getty are mm-hmm. probably my absolute favorites. I think if I pick the, the worship for a Sunday morning, there's at least like three of their songs sprinkled in uh there's they're biblic- biblically solid um yeah. songs and kind of celtic so there's that um and they're really a joy to lead so uh i do enjoy them too yeah i'll have to say like I'm, we're pretty obsessed with leland oh, we love yes. leland we've went to one of their <laughs> concerts when they came here to town but oh fine. my husband has listened to them for years and when we got married he put it, the leland's music in the car and i was like who is this wow <laughs> and i could just feel the the presence of the lord in the car while we were yeah. listening to this yeah their songwriting is so Oh, they have a lot of scripture-based mm-hmm. songs and, you know, we know their story, their, their siblings and, and they do live for the Lord. They, their songs are from their relationship with God. And I so appreciate their, um, their ministries. That's usually what I go to when I, when I want to, want to get some encouragement, mm-hmm. tell you which song is my favorite it would be really hard, but <laughs> yeah, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it would be really hard because they don't have any bad songs. Right. At all. I love it. I was watching a movie, one of my favorite movies. Have you seen Amazing Grace? Yes. About William Wilberforce? He's yes. one of my heroes of the faith. Uh, for those that don't know who William Wilberforce is, he was the one responsible for ending the slave trade in the UK. It's, it's the UK now. Um, so you guys need to watch that movie. But it does feature John Newton. And 
they feature the song um, Amazing Grace in the, the soundtrack. And that's the first time that I heard Chris Tomlin did the remake of a version. Yeah. My chains are gone. Mm -hmm. I'm just like bawling through the whole song. Yep. And I put that song on my album because I was just so very moved by it. Um, my chains are gone. That's the year I, I left my abuser in a, movie came out but you had said that you have a favorite quote from john newton oh man so many but i you know i was digging through my john newton stuff and have you ever read his lyrics from approach my soul the mercy seat no oh my goodness so it is it is such a beautiful lyric um i mean some of the phrases are like thou callest burdened souls to thee and such a lord am i i mean just his use of language is just like what? It's, it's just amazing. Um, very poetic. And uh, I think one of my favorite lines in that is, be thou my shield and hiding place that shelter by thy side. I mean, just gorgeous. So anyway, his use of language is so rich and deep. And I need I need to continue to study more of what he wrote because it's, it's all, it's just so rich and deep. And the, his use of language is really inspiring. He's an incredible, incredible songwriter, and yeah. his life. If people don't uh, don't know anything about John Newton, he was a, he had slave ships, and mm -hmm. that's I think that's probably why that he was included in that movie. But um, yeah, yeah, he knows about being restored and being forgiven for some really horrible things. Yeah, truly, and trying to yeah. uh, make up for that in mm -hmm. whatever way he can. Yeah, awesome love john newton mm -hmm. now on top of you being a worship pastor um tell us about your creative art projects you're involved with at your church with the young people right yeah young and old actually so yeah I, I i get to be involved in the ministry work of my local church in so many ways but yeah i've written songs for special projects and i definitely i lead worship on a pretty regular basis but one of the newest projects god's called me in uh, into is called arts for the kingdom i get to encourage artists within our congregation to contribute art and music to events. Uh, so I basically plan these events centered around a theme. So our first event theme, I think it was back in December of 2018, was Advent. We did a, a whole evening around the theme of Advent. It was really lovely. And we're gearing up for our sixth event on February 20th with the theme of Lent this time. So it's been a really challenging theme for our artists. They've really had to dig into the, the, the heart behind Lent. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions about Lent. And, yes. but if you really dig into the different dimensions, it's such a rich season in the church calendar. And we're starting to see some really neat ideas trickling in. We've got photography, paintings, drawings, crafts. I even have a culinary artist creating something. And then we have a concert during that evening where I know this round, we're going to have some instrumental music some vocal performances, a dramatic reading. Uh, and I think we even have a dancer again this time, which is, it's just so fun. Ooh, yeah. I wish I could come. <laughs> They're so amazing. Is it online? <laughs> <laughs> I just had a young man come up to me after church this morning and ask if uh, we're going to film it. So I'll let you know. I don't know. We don't typically film it, but in this day and age when not everybody's comfortable coming to events, um, it has been a huge blessing to be able to offer it 
like an online version or a recorded version for sure. So I'll let you know. <laughs> oh, please but do. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a fun ministry at our church. It's such an encouragement um, to those that participate. And I think that's my favorite dimension of it is I just get to pour out encouragement to these artists. You know, I haven't always been encouraged toward my songwriting and I still struggle at times to believe that I'm any good at it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're given a safe place in a loving community in which to share, you can really rest and grow into your giftedness and grow into confidence um, to use your gifts. And I've been really blessed to watch old, you know, I have an 80 year old photographer that Mm. hadn't taken pictures for over 40 years. And he's just now kind of getting back into it. Um, He's kind of come alive to his, his giftedness again. It's such a joy to watch him kind of come, come alive again in that. And um, young ones kind of just discovering that, oh, I can honor the Lord with this, this hobby that I'm enjoying. I can paint a picture and tell a story about what God's teaching me. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a joy um, to work with those artists and encourage them. And um, yeah, really excited for our next event. It's going to be fun. so exciting. Now, speaking of Lent, since you mentioned it, most people think that that's just for Catholic background. I am from a uh, Catholic background um, before I was um, saved, but I, I go to an evangelical free church now. And when I first started going there, they had the Stations of the Cross. Mm. And I didn't go because I thought it was connected to the Stations of the Cross from my old life, of course. And, um, and I went to the pastor and I asked him about it. And he says, it's nothing like the Catholic version of Stations of the Cross. And the following year, I decided to go because I really wanted to prepare for um, for Resurrection Sunday and I needed a spiritual refresher. We were going to Israel the following year and uh, I thought, oh, this would be a great thing to go to. And our, our worship team, I'm not on the worship team right now because of um, logistics, but our, a lot of our worship team are artists and what they created with the Stations of the Cross you know, it's like they turn the, the gymnasium into, it. it's like a, a maze of different sections and it's dark. And you start and you go to these stations throughout the gym and there's dividers and there's lights and, and you go to these displays and they're like these really creative out of this world art displays. And then they mm. have a scripture reading and then they have a prayer for you to say. And you go to, I think, how many? I think there are 12. Oh, wow. I think there are 12 stations of the cross. Don't go beyond that. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's been a long, long time. But yeah. I was so impressed with that. And they had this colossal display at the last one, which was, you know, the tomb is empty. And they, you know, they made something out of paper mache and, you know, the empty cross, of course, with the, and the grave cloth and just a lot of work went into it. And yeah, sounds like I it. was so impressed with it. I told the, uh, the worship pastor, um, Jessica, I said, that was so incredible and so moving. And I really feel that that helped me to get ready for, for Easter this year. So yeah. I thought I'd, thought I'd share that with you since you brought up the, yeah, the art and the lens yeah, connected. We're, we're really hoping it 
you know, for those that are pairing something to contribute and for all those that come to this event, that it's really going to almost give them a fresh perspective on Lent and be an encouragement as we move toward Holy Week. We, uh, after the event is over, we hang up the art around the church for, for the season. So we're going to have the art up on display through the season of Lent. So everybody can continue to enjoy it and read the artist statements. And it's, um, yeah, but, oh man, that, that would be really a neat experience to, you know, like you said, almost different stations and stuff. How neat. I bet that was incredible. Yeah, I hope they do it again this year. What what day yeah. is Easter this year? Ah, uh, you know, honestly, I, I know that Ash Wednesday is February seventeenth because that was why we're aiming for the twentieth. Well, it's <laughs> early. Event. It is. It is a little earlier. Yeah. So I'll have so to maybe look that early up. April. Yeah, because it's forty days of Lent. So <laughs> it'll be here before we know it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna Google it here. So it's gonna drive me crazy if it I don't will. find out. <laughs> As a worship leader, I should know exactly when Easter is, you know, but Sunday, April 4th. So, all right. First Sunday in April. There you go, everybody. Now, you know, (laughs) (laughs) now we know. Now we know too. Um, We're going to feature your music today. So everybody will get to hear a song um, from your portfolio, so to speak. And fantastic. So tell us about the song that we're going to hear today. Yeah, I thought it would be really fitting to share the song entitled Our Savior from the one uh, that I wrote after falling through the ice. You know, like I said, it's still the song that I, I cling to whenever I feel myself doubting God's goodness and love. It's it's one of my, I would call it a scripture memorization song. It's not word for word, but it actually, it holds enough of the text to like, if you were to learn this song, you know, you basically have memorized the the text of those five verses, um, the meat of those verses. So I love to write scripture memorization um, music. Yeah, that makes it really easy, huh? It really does. I mean, like even when my kids, um, you know, they had to memorize my phone number in preschool. Uh, I set that to music and, you know, it's so powerful. It, it makes sense, you know. So, you know, I still remember... Um, you know, songs, you know, like if Shania Twain were to come up on the radio again, I could probably still sing along with her. I, again, like lyrics, you know, melody and lyric has a way to just kind of weave its way into our, our very souls almost deeper than like, I can't remember what my grandma told me, you know, back when I was a kid, you know, I can't remember. It was probably something profound and deep, but I, I don't remember it word for word. There's something again, it's powerful when we couple stuff with music. And so I, I love writing scripture memorization music. I, one of my favorite projects, um, and I, I have a, a whole song booklet to, to aid anybody wanting to memorize it. But, um, I set the whole, Sermon on the Plain from uh, Luke chapter six to music. Uh, and it ended up being about a 10 minute song <laughs> to get through it. But hey, um, progressive rock song. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, <laughs> ooh, I typically don't write that long. So it was like, oh my goodness, I'm still singing. This is crazy. But um, it was, I, I was asked to do that. I had never really tackled that big of a chunk of scripture before um, for memorization. And we were trying to memorize it as a women's group um, over the summer. And the women's ministry leader was like, hey, would you, would you 
maybe consider, you know, because we're trying to teach women various different ways to memorize scripture. And I think music could be a really great way. And I'm like, uh, sure. You know, it might help me memorize it for sure. So it was such a fun project. Um, it was really tricky. But since then, I'm like, oh, that is the only way uh, that I uh, successfully memorize scripture. So I'm really thankful for um, her asking me to do that. And um, so now whenever I have a chunk of scripture like this Isaiah passage uh, that I really want to weave deep into my heart and not forget. Um, that's, that's how a lot of my songs are born. <laughs> so. Love it. Yeah. And uh, I like to have musical guests because, you know, my topic and subject matter is so dark and it can get really heavy yeah. and we need these episodes where we get to be refreshed and encouraged and get out of that sadness and despair and um, memorize some scripture that is going to help us in those dark times. So I am so appreciative of you coming on the podcast today. Uh, Tell us how the listeners can get more of your music and connect with you. Yeah. Oh, it's been so fun to have this conversation. Thank you. Um, no, I think a great way to connect with me is through my website. Uh, so I can be found at andreasandifermusic.com. Um, and through my site, you can connect with like my social media pages, my YouTube channel. You can listen to music and actually uh, you can purchase music there and find like that that songbook for the Sermon on the Plain and such. Um, and you can read, I, I love to write stories behind each song. Uh, it's like a blog post that's all there too. So like the story I told you guys today um, from where the song that you'll hear today came from. So it's really fun. Sometimes I, you know, we miss out. We hear these really great songs on the radio and we fall in love with them, but we don't necessarily know that the story behind right. uh, the song. It can be really, really amazing to hear uh, the heart of the artist and and why why that song came to be. You know what God was uh, trying to communicate to the artist, and it, it can really deepen um, understanding and appreciation of a song. So I enjoy writing those too. But yeah, that website is is full of goodies. Uh, there. So I look forward to connecting with everybody. It'd be great. Awesome. So you guys be sure to get on her website. I will put all of the things that we talked about today in the show notes so you can reach all those. So we'll have to do this again soon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we could co-write, you know, co-writing over (laughs) Zoom is very, very slick. Actually, We, we should do that one of these days. That'd be fun. We'll definitely talk about that. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. All right. So um, God bless. And here's Andrea's song, Our Savior. When we pass through the waters, he will be with us. When we go through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm. When we go When we pass through the waters, He will be with us. When we go through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm. When we go through fire, we shall not 
Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.